Welcome back to another episode of Proverbs and Politics. It is your host, Shay. I'm so happy to be back with you guys. Um, so this title is When the Saints Go Marching In. Today we are going to be focusing about the role of faith, specifically Christianity, of course, and Jesus Christ in the midst of times of revolution and social change, change addressing some myths, um, and really talking about ultimately the remnant that comes during the midst of revolution, um, sometimes in the form of revival, sometimes in the form of practical um, ways or practicality, um, and just resistance overall and how we as Christians play a role in that. Um, so of course, first, I just want to address the verdict of Breonna Taylor. I don't want to so much address the verdict, but I do want to address black women. Um, you know, it's been extremely heavy these past couple of days. Of course, as you all know, we have been going through a lot with um, incredible loss. Of course, everything that's going on in general. Um, but I do want to say that black women, I love you. I'm praying for us. I'm praying for our mental health. Please take care of yourselves. Please be good to yourselves. Give yourselves grace. Um, and yeah, that's truly, honestly, that's really all I have. Um, and know that it's okay to take time to mourn and to lament. It's a holy thing. It's a sacred thing. Um, so please take as much time as you need to for yourselves. The reason I titled When the Saints Go Marching In is kind of metaphoric, um, you may, you could say, just because we're obviously talking about social change and revolution. So literally what happens when the saints go marching in? Of course, you may know that is an old hymn um, or spiritual. And I really wanted to focus on Christianity in the times of revolution as we know today because you may often hear that Christianity is the white man's religion due to uh, the Catholic missionaries and their aid and colonization and imperialism during the time of slavery uh, the African holocaust so the transatlantic uh, slave trade and then what they actually did on the grounds of Africa and to numerous Native American civilizations in name of spreading the gospel, but for an actual motive or agenda. I would first like to say that the Jesus Christ presented to Africans, Native Amer to West Africans, Native Americans, countless other countries and regions in Africa, uh, throughout the Native peoples of, you know, even Australia and the Aboriginal people, the Native Americans in South America, Central America, and really just everywhere. I would like to say that that is not the true Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ with blue eyes and blonde hair and white skin is a fictional character who does not exist, but is really acting as the spirit of the Antichrist and was acting as the spirit of the Antichrist then. I do want to make it known that the Bible says that these things would happen. So to anyone who was really reading their Bible and really knew um, the true scriptures and the true character of God, knew that this was not a surprise that Satan would turn instead to taking on the form of wolves in sheep's clothing and indoctrinating a people with false doctrine and the false idea and character of Jesus Christ. When in actuality, the Bible says that Jesus was actually here to proclaim claim 
uh, liberation to the captives, to aid and serve poor people, to redeem mankind. And his heart was specifically inclined and turned towards those who were more vulnerable, who were more exposed and ridiculed and outcasted, such as poor people, such as people we label as deviants in our society who are different, who are criminal, um, the cheapest of sinners. His heart is specifically turned towards those people. And because he was a savior of the world, what white people did, um, Europeans did during that time frame is that they elevated themselves to the place of God, labeled themselves as saviors. And what they did was really deplete the wealth, the resources, the um, traditions, the culture of native people all throughout the world and efforts to obtain greed and power. But I want to make a distinction that Jesus Christ will never be on the same level as them. Christianity, true Christianity and worship of Jesus Christ will never equate to white supremacy supremacy because God didn't need to encapture or enslave or oppress entire groups of people, but he was God before then and he'll be God well after. Jesus Christ, his supremacy didn't rely on um, committing mass amounts of violence and brutality and genocide and rape and violation of people it did not depend on that he gave himself over he was a he he was a savior because he was gracious and merciful enough to give himself self over so that we would have the option and the choice to enter into his royal to a royal priesthood and be children and friends and fellowship with him that's not what white people did that's not the objection or the goal of white supremacy white people and europeans were so thirsty and so hungry for power that they took and they even colonized the gospels and the scriptures and i want to make it very much known that africans that a lot of africans um in east africa and central africa were actually already practicing um polytheism Um, no, I'm sorry, not polythe- polytheism. Um, of course, we know that there were tribes in Africa who were practicing poly polytheism, but there were also tribes and groups who already practiced monotheism. Furthermore, East Africa already had some of the earliest um, Christian civilizations. And I want to also make something known that if you actually go to the book, go to the New Testament, um, the apostles didn't even know if white people could be Christians. <laughs> Like, so understand that Jesus Christ, his diet, his, his, um, divinity, his supremacy was here before the notion of white supremacy. He always was, always will be, um, and forever will be. So I do want to make that clear. So to say that Christianity is the white man's religion, no, no, no. White man perverted Christianity and it really turned it into Satanism and devil worship and occultism and not turned it into because you'll never be able to turn Jesus, um, or who he is into something he isn't. But what they did was they pushed their own agenda and and they use scripture and the gospel um took to took away and added it to and essentially preached and taught it the entirely wrong way on purpose and i also want to make it clear that um a lot of what we see was catholicism at the time and i do want to make it clear and this is truly i don't want to offend catholics or anything but i do want to make it known that it has historically known that the catholic church has long ago really traded in um the supremacy of Jesus Christ. I don't want to keep saying supremacy of Jesus Christ. I know supremacy is probably a trigger word, but has traded in really the purification and the holiness and the righteousness um, of what it means to worship Jesus Christ for political and monetary gain like that. And I'm not just saying that to say that, but that's like a historical fact. And we know that came that came when Caesar initially turned Rome into um like that the beginning of it um began to happen like i said when rome um officially became a christian nation and that's when church and state begin to merge so it wasn't so much church influencing state it was state influencing church and when you already have a godless and a corrupt state influencing the church um then you know what you're gonna get and that nature and i 
don't I, re- I truly do not want to um well I really don't care about offending people but I don't want to make it seem like this is like a a bash <laughs> white Christians or you know Europeans and their um participation in Christianity but that same spirit that same nature of political power economic status and greed being the driving force behind faith has carried on today into majority white churches um evangelical churches and 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 Protestant Christians um so really like you know we we talk a lot about the problems that are in the black church and has what and what has carried on into today and i think that that can even be applied to the white church um honestly and like i said that's not leaving out the fact that oh only white christians have problems or anything like that but it is important to note it's much like generational like a generational curse and bloodline demons um So with that being said, I also want to make note that Jesus Christ himself was a brown man. Now, during that time, um, I would say because he was probably even darker than what we know um, Middle Eastern men to be today, just because we know that there has been like, you know, mixing um, and that there has been, you know, an evolution of sorts because we are all as humans, you know, um, we are constantly mixing and cross I don't want child I don't want to say crossbreeding that sounds but <laughs> um but intermarrying and things like that so the Jesus Christ that we know um was most likely a very olive very dark tan man uh with kind of probably loose curly hair brown eyes um and he was always and he was a carpenter so he was always working in the sun so yeah he was just a dark man um and of course we know that the romans who were in power at the time uh were you know they were most likely tan of course because they were in the sun or whatever you you know however you want to describe it um but they were white people and so With that being said, to say that Christianity is overall in itself the core of white supremacy or it is equivalent to white supremacy is inherently false. Um, White people do not own Jesus. I want to say it again. White people, white supremacists, white nationalists, racism does not have ownership of Jesus. He in himself exists outside of the rank, the reign, and time of human beings. Um, He cannot be boxed in. He is not something that we ourselves as humans can obtain and especially cannot be um, controlled or owned by an ideology especially a demonic and satanic ideology like racism or white supremacy so I do want to make that known um but I do want to make it also known that I think that it is a bit even furthermore disrespectful to our ancestors um who you who who essentially were of course we know indoctrinated not by their own will we have we do have to acknowledge that um in Christianity and who used, who actually got the revelation um, of Jesus Christ and of the work of the Gospels, and they used it to liberate themselves, to constantly resist, to fight for abolition. Um, I do want to make note of that, because back in those days, of course, we know that Jesus Christ was introduced to them one way. Um, But I want to tell you, this is how we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I do want to make note of the fact that this man who is Jesus was introduced who not just man but he is God that he was introduced and given in the wrong light the wrong way a fictional character was put in his place and given to enslaved Africans but he said no 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 no. I'm still going to reveal myself to these people and here is actually who I am and because now you know who I am my spirit is going to inhabitate you and I am going to work through you and in you and in those who I have called and you are going to be liberated and I will break the yoke of slavery off of you and now can I just take a minute to praise God I don't know about nobody else but I would want to serve a God who could look down and see that his image and that who he was was being replaced with the with the with the white blonde hair loose hair 
antichrist devil and say, no, 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 no. Actually, I'm still going to be good in the midst of this and I'm still going to be revealed in this. And I just want to say that I would, I, I don't know about nobody else, but I'm glad I serve a God like that. Moving on. Um, and through the, and and through that, we know that there were things called praise houses where um, enslaved Africans could actually go and have services themselves. They were actually not. Some of them um, were given Bibles with certain scriptures ripped out and blotted out. Um, sir, some of them were not even allowed to actually. And some of them actually, and I and I do want to make it clear, some slaves were not allowed to actually have services or really even actually like know and engage with Christianity themselves. And they were just given like what their masters would say, you know, like the whole, oh, obey your master, yada, 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 whatever. And like I said, a lot of people still encountered Jesus Christ in a powerful way. Um, the true and living Jesus Christ, not a man-made image. Now, I don't want now that does not negate the effects that um, white supremacy has had on us and the way we participate and interact with our faith. That would be erroneous and an error to say. Um, But I do want to say that Christianity, we can see over time, has still played a pivotal role in the fact that it was force fed one way, um, but manifested itself in in the actual way that Christianity and the Gospels um, are supposed to be looked at, pretty much. I hope what I said just made sense. Um, But yeah. Furthermore, so I think that it's disrespectful to say that Christianity only worked in favor for white people when we have multiple examples of the Holy Spirit, really. Um, thousand or not, I won't say thousands necessarily, but when multiple um leaders of that time abolitionists and i'm not just talking about the quakers but black abolitionists and you had leaders of slave revolts revolts um and civil rights leaders emerge who were directly inspired and influenced and even spoken to by the holy spirit um and given his wisdom and they led these powerful movements and these powerful rebellions so it is dis- disrespectful um, to a, a, an extent to our ancestors, like I said, who used this and were um, overtaken with the Holy Spirit uh, and fought for liberation. And, and, in, and in some chances and moments, achieved that for themselves and their people. And now these people that we know, I would say, are what we know in biblical terms as to be the remnant. Now, um, the remnant is basically anything that's left over um, or the remaining parts, pieces or scraps um, of something. In the biblical in biblical terms, um, just a basic definition is a remnant is usually a remaining of people that is left of a community following a a catastrophe or um, some sort of exit or some sort of um, mass movement Um, or really just what is left over that is separated a sub community um, of a greater of a greater community. Some examples of this are Noah's family um, and those who were on the ark and then Lot's family um, after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and God allowed Lot's family to escape. Furthermore, an illustration of remnant, I think one of the most powerful that we know um, are the 7,000 in Israel um, who were left after Jezebel murdered all the prophets of God. Um, Of course, we know that the leader of this was Elijah. Um, and so I think furthermore, what we know from this, the and what the revelation that's in this is that in that specific illustration, for those of you who don't know, um, Ahab was a very wicked king and his wife Jezebel um, was an extremely wicked woman. The Bible says that Ahab did some of the most wicked and was one of the most wicked, if not the most wicked um, kings um, of his generation. And Jezebel, a woman um, who worshipped Baal, um, she began to murder the prophets in Israel um, and commit mass genocide 
basically, um, among these men and women. And so there was a prophet, Elijah, who was in times of running from Jezebel. He was severely depressed. He went and ran into a cave and stay and tr- wanted to stay in the cave, did not want to leave um, because obviously Jezebel was out here killing folks. And so God spoke to him and said, basically said, there are more of you like basically I got you. That's just a little paraphrase. OK, God told Elijah, I got you. There's more of you. There's a remnant. Go and do what you need to do. Um, and so from this, we can see that sometimes the um, the idea or a people who are known as a remnant can also be known as a form of refugees or those in need of political asylum. And one thing God revealed to me prophetically in the upcoming days, there will be people from all types of denominations, walks of life, backgrounds, codes, and creeds, and they will literally be like refugees um, and there will be like people seeking asylum in the coming days. And so there are going to be some very powerful prophets, apostles, evangelists, teachers, or just regular, regular people who may not even belong to a fivefold office, but they have the burning passion of justice inside of them. And they may come from the white evangelical church. You got some white folks who going to be like modern day Quakers who going to rise up against they, they, they Trump supporting daddies and grand and granddaddies and say, no, this is wrong. And you ought to repent and the eyes of the Lord. There are some 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 casting out devils and and Holy Ghost preaching Pentecostal kids who was told um Pentecostal and apostolic kids like myself who was told girl you ought to sit down somewhere. You ought to be biblical and not political when in actuality the Bible preaches and the Bible teaches us that there is a stance to be taken even in the midst of politics. There are some of us who are going to be raised up in times like this and says no 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 no. I can be pip biblical and it is biblical for me to be political and they're going to raise up and they're going to go to the white house they're going to go to government buildings and they're going to preach truth to power and they're going to stand in the face of wicked politicians of wicked presidents and wicked leaders not only in america but all across the world and say repent for the kingdom of god and lay hands on folks and the devil is going to be casted out and the holy spirit is going to be given to people there are some people in some dead churches some children some old men in some dead churches who begin to dream dreams and that the and the spirit of the lord come upon them and they begin to rise up and say that no 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 the time for justice is now and we must stop being complacent and we must stop being a dead church and we must take the rain the the the, uh the horns of the altar and we must lay a hold of justice in this hour there are some remnant of people who are literally going to be kicked out of their churches kicked out of their homes kicked out of their countries but they are willing to lay it all down for the gospel of jesus christ and a part of that gospel is justice and righteousness there is coming a time there are a people and we are not many this is not a a, a severely large remnant there we, we will be few and far in between but we are here and we are alive hey and we are coming out of our caves and we will confront Jezebel and we will kill her dead at her feet whoo um okay whoo I didn't mean to go there just yet but amen um So, yeah, so there are some people who will not be afraid and will be like refugees. Um, And even in this hour, there will be time where the remnant literally begins to find each other. And if you're a part of that, if God has placed in you, um, placed on you a man, placed in you a mandate and placed on you a mantle, you are literally going to begin, begin to come in contact with people who have the same drive, who have the same passion um, and are ready to put their hands to the plow and get to work. And so in times where we have revolution and revival, there's always a remnant. And some of the characteristics are of these people that in times of intense change, um, they will literally, you'll find them in the radical middle. They will not exist on a spectrum. These people will not be far right. These people will not be far left because they will be neither. They will exist out of, but they will also not be on the spectrum of the centrist or be neutral. They will have a side, but the side will be the God of justice. 
These people will be deeply passionate. They will be people you least expect. Some of them will be super quiet and dainty and 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 under underestimated and not seen. Some of these people will be the loudest people in the room, the obnoxious folks that you think need to sit down and shut up somewhere. Some of these people will be former sex workers. These people will be um, former politicians who became whistleblowers. Some of these people will be aspiring politicians um, that cause mass disruption. The remnant is wide and vast and diverse. But they will have a deep passion. They will be disciplined people um, as far in terms of holiness, as far as consecration. They will live by the word of God. They will eat the word of God. Or as we know, in the day of Jeremiah, they will eat the scroll. They will lamb it and they will mourn well. But they will get up after their lamenting and after their mourning. And they will have strategy and they will be educators and they will be teachers in times of justice. They will empower communities. They will mobilize um, their communities and destabilize the powers at work that be. Um, remnant people are also usually inhabited and influenced by creativity, if not being creatives themselves. Um, during times like the Harlem Renaissance and the Civil Rights, we see that a lot of people emerge were singers and songwriters and playwrights, the James Baldwins, um, um, the Nina Simones, the even Mahalia Jackson, um, who was a who was a, a strong, um, I mean, holy back in the day, ch- church mother, holiness singing woman, um, and who who will literally begin to people who will write poetry and songs that. Um, detail the times and convey the language um, of justice and who also give the messages um, and convey the lamenting and the pain of the oppressed Uh, art. You know, we know that some of the best black art came in times, even like, even of the 90s, when you had like that, the the emergence of kind of like, um, you know, like that, that was just a time of black people like, you know, like our music was amazing. We had, of course, like most, we know like Tupac Shakur, um, and just artists like, you know, like the, the, the conscious rappers and stuff like that. And we know that like so much art and photography came out of that period. Um, we know, like, like I said, some of the best books, um, we have people, you know, like women like Toni Morrison um, and things like that come out, write amazing books. Um, so there's just so much. Um, and a remnant people, like I said, will a lot of times be the Levites. They will be the creatives. They will be the psalmist um, because art just art is one of those things that deeply moves people. Um and if there's anything, whether you may not necessarily like picture art or photography, but you might like poetry, you might like reading books, you may not like reading books, but you love music. Music is a powerful tool and a powerful weapon. Um, a lot of the scriptures we know as today were written to music and actually had harmonies and melodies playing with them when they were written. And we know how powerful, like, you know, how you can say a scripture and the whole church turn out. Um so I think that it's important to note that a lot of these people will in some way, shape or form, like I said, be influenced by creativity, by art or themselves be some sort of creative or art. Um, and remnant people and this and because we're speaking of the we're speaking of the kingdom where I'm not speaking of a church. I'm not speaking of a building. I'm not just speaking about general Christians, but I'm talking about people who have been decided. People have wept and lamented in the middle of the night. People who have cried out to the God of justice and people who God has taken through a process to become prayer to become answers to their own prayers. They are deeply provoked by the scriptures. They are deeply provoked by Jesus Christ and his life himself and they seek to actively model that um and they have decided that they will lay go as far as to lay their lives down if need be there is a remnant and unfortunately i do want to make it clear that not everybody who proclaims christ even your most average christian even the folks who who may be good christians they will not be a part of the remnant um this next age we've talked about it episodes ago of 
the fact that justice is the revival is deeply sacred. Um, and I want to make it, you've heard a lot of echoings. Oh, it's the end times. End times does not mean necessarily always that Jesus Christ is coming back in 20 years from now, 50 years from now, or even a hundred years from now. But I think in the end times, um, we will see major great awakening and turning points um, because the sons and daughters still have to prophesy. There still needs to be a mass entrance um, into the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And so in these times, which are the end times, um, and Jesus preparing to come back again, he is ordaining people who live their lives with kingdom in mind. That means advancing the kingdom of God at at, at any cost. That means in their marriages and their families and children and their work life and their careers and in their purpose. So what you see is that these remnant people, um, they will not even just be provoked by um, you know, the, the hurting or the oppression of the people, of course, they will deeply be compassionate and be moved and be fighting for those people, but it will, it will even, they're, they're, um, they're provoking to go out and put their hands to a plow will even be deeper than that because it will come from the love, um, and the faithfulness and the loyalty to Jesus Christ. Um, and these remnant people will oftentimes be extremely radical. They will, they may be controversial. They may be very offensive, but they will even say radical things. They'll pray radical prayers. They'll fast radically. Um, and I think that one of the things that really differentiated Jesus Christ, um, in his time and his ministry was that he said, of course, we know Jesus called folks blood vipers. Um, he told Judas, basically, in other words, when Judas said, Jesus, it is, is it me that's going to be the one to portray you? And Jesus, really what he said, like, I'm, and I'm just saying this in layman terms, he basically told Judas, don't play with me. Okay. So Jesus was a very outspoken, a very radical man. Of course, he used wisdom with what he said. Um, but like I said, he himself was radical in his thoughts, radical. And, and even now with the current movement of people ra uh, rising up and saying, no, it's not enough for reform. We need abolition. Um, it is radical because it it calls for a need of radical imagination, radical dreaming and radical faith. And a proof of evidence is, I think, when um, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and you may say, well, how is that radical? Because the thought of the kingdom of God um, and, and the ways of heaven and how heaven responds, how heaven conducts itself, how God has intended us to be is in itself to a lot of people radical. It is very deep what people say. It is supernatural. It is not really fathomable um, by the average by average man's hands. And so therefore it is very radical in prayer because what he's saying is we, we, we don't, we're not, we don't want to just be satisfied by saying we live for Jesus Christ, but we literally want our environment, our surroundings to at all times look like the, the kingdom of God, uh, which all times means inhabiting the presence of God. And we know that, that any encounter with the presence of God is, is in itself radical. Um, and it is a part of the commission um, that we have as believers. Um, and it's a part of our overall belief system. Um, more importantly, we see in Luke chapter 4, 18, verse 18 through 19, um, this, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to, of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Um, and this itself is that vision of the kingdom coming down, um, and let whatever is done, um, in heaven be as it is on earth. This may not, this may just seem like a reoccurring statement to Christians, but it truly is, um, a radical theme because a lot of the things that people are talking about now, <laughs> um, when we're talking about abolition of the colonial word of the colonial world, we're talking about abolition of, um, 
imperialism and greed being the drive um, behind um, the interaction and the participate participate I cannot talk today and the participation of humans in society it is a radical thought we know it's a radical thought child because every time we talking we talk about um doing away with the current way of policing and we talk about the prison and uh, industrial military the prison the child y'all know what i'm trying to say the prison <laughs> industrial complex and the military industrial complex when we talk about all these things and their uh essential wickedness and their nature child everyone's like oh my god that's just nah, nah, nah. that is too much that's far oh my god communist marxist da, 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 da. um but the remnant people are essentially radical in nature. And even we look to those before us. We look to Moses. This man grew up among the Egyptians. Um, and he himself was so enraged by the oppression of Jewish, by his people, by the Israelites, that he even killed, that he went as far as killing a man. This man parted the Red Sea. That in itself is radical. We look to men like Jeremiah, Elijah, Amos, and Isaiah, who are even um, Nathan, the prophet to David. David, after, after he had slept with a woman and got a man wrongfully killed, Nathan looked at the face of David, a king, a man after God's own heart, but also a man after war who was notoriously, who was notoriously, um, achieving in war stood up in his face and said you ought to repent and you have done evil in the sight of God even Samuel who stood in the face of Saul and told him um that his pride has cost him his reign these are all radical acts of resistance Jesus himself stood in the face of pharisees these same and remember what i talked about earlier about the church um trading in um holiness and trading in our actual commission for political and economic gain i need y'all to know that the pharisees of this time of the time of jesus were doing exactly that and who does that sound like in today's time and baby it's just not the white evangelicals because i know a couple black bishops huh i know a couple black apostles child i done seen some facebook posts and it's like, well, who are you working for? Jesus or them? Let me know. And so Jesus stood in these people's faces who had the political power um, and influence to, to essentially have him killed, which they did. They just know the tomb was going to be borrowed and he was going to get up three days later. Anyways. Um, and even in more recent times, as we know it as the fight against white supremacy, y'all do understand, <clears throat> and this goes back to this notion of Christianity's role in white supremacy, that Nat Turner, um, there are accounts, like primary accounts, that this man was a prophet, that he encountered God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave him instructions on basically to lead a rebellion um and i need you to know that even the abolition of slavery that this was not just like oh white quakers came in and saved the day um or white abolitionists came in and saved the day um of course they had a role but y'all need to know that because of the the disruption because one thing about something, when Jesus gets in the midst of something, baby, he will disrupt everything around you. He will disrupt something. And that's why they didn't like him, because Jesus disrupted the life of the Pharisees. He disrupted their religious control. Moses disrupted the uh, economic gain of the Pharisees because he led their slaves and their their source of um, labor out of their control. He did not. Does say Mer Moses? Yeah, Moses disrupted the way, the life, and the way of Egypt. Eli Elijah came and disrupted the rituals of Baal. And so, one of the biggest things, the reason why, even even the reason why Quakers and white abolitionists begin or what we know as white abolitionists in that time began to really get involved with the fight against slavery was because their lives were so disrupted by the constant revolt of slaves. Because it so much disrupted their way of life. Um, even Harriet Tubman, 
we know that she led thousands of slaves out of slavery. Um, there are, mo- again, multiple accounts and reports that this woman was led by God. She used to have encounters. Um, if you go and look at the movie Harriet, there were moments where she would just fall into deep sleeps and she would have dreams and visions. That's radical. And then she and then the Holy Spirit gave her instructions and he led her to freedom. He, he not only that, but guided her and guided her to take more slaves to freedom. That's radical resistance. That's what being the remnant is. The civil rights movement. What we know, first of all, the civil rights movement was a foreshadowing of what is to come. That the kingdom of God will lead the revolution. That the kingdom of God will lead revival. That the kingdom of God will be the voices that outcry justice. And so we cannot dismiss altogether Christianity and Jesus Christ's role in the midst of social change because every time there's been social change every time that there has been an outcry and a backlash of oppression you have somehow found Jesus in the midst because you've always because you've always been able to find someone who came to fight the fight in his name he will always be in the midst of revolution the uh, the apostles themselves they created entire communities with entire with new entire ways of life different from that of the romans despite being persecuted that is radical resistance that is remnant so from the time of moses to nat turner to harriet tubman and, and even i want to go further and this may be pushing the envelope a little bit but we talk about we we tell people the way that well christians if you are if you are if you just so insist on standing up for social justice this is what it should look like this is what it needs to look like and people give you rules and regulations <laughs> on how to speak against injustice and violence against your own communities. But here's a man, Nat Turner, who this, and, and, and Nat Turner didn't say, oh, I got instructions from like um, my ancestors. Uh, I got instructions from this God, from that God. No, no, no. Nat Turner made it clear that I have instructions from the one true and living God, his Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm going to do. And this man led a resistance, a revolt, a rebellion that would actually probably provoke a lot of controversy and a lot of backlash from today Christians. You can go, I'm not going to get to talking about it, but you can go look up the rebellion that Nat Turner himself led. And so the remnant is very much alive. And Jesus Christ is very much in the midst of the remnant. And because of that, he is in the midst of revolution. And I want to say something. Going back to the reason why slavery was really abolished, it was because the lives were so, the lives, you know, the, were so disrupted by the revolts that men like Nat Turner led and the way that Harriet Tubman came in and she began to free slaves. And that these people's money was interrupted. That their way and their economic source of life was so disrupted. That it automatically, it, it, it ultimately led to abolition. Um, y'all, oh my God, I just lost my thought. <laughs> nah, I just lost my thought. Say in loose here, the Lord, rebu- the Lord rebuke you. Um, but yeah, Jesus is always in the midst of revolution. Oh, okay. I know what I, it came back to me. Uh, thank you, Jesus. But going back to that notion of being disrupted by revolts like Nat Turner led. Something happens when the saints go marching in. (laughs) Being so disrupted by the marches and the boycotts of civil rights that these people had no choice but to begin to pass laws and rewrite policy. Baby, when the saints go marching in, 
Some of the most successful acts of resistance happened right after them people in Mississippi and Georgia and Alabama. They would have tent revivals and they would go boycott. They would go do sit-ins. They would go resist. They would go disrupt white America's way of life. Baby, Jesus is always in the midst of revolution and something will have to change. Demons will have to bow. Mammon will have to bow when the saints go marching in. When the saints go marching in, something has to change. When the saints go marching in, something has to break. When the saints go marching in, justice will have to be administrated. Baby, when the saints go marching in, just like Nat Turner marched in and he rebelled, just like Harriet Tubman went marching in and she liberated thousands of people just like Moses went marching in and he led the saints marching through the Red Sea just like Elijah though scared depressed and emotionally unstable when marching out of the cave and he led the remnant of 7,000 prophets baby when the saints go marching in something has to change when Sojourner Truth a black woman sat in the mist when feminism was a white woman thing only and white women uh would rather cut off their arms than to than to see the negro um be allowed to vote or have rights before themselves sojourner truth ida b wells went marching in something changes when the saints go marching in so no matter what white people have given us about christianity no matter what they've lies they've told us about jesus jesus will always because he is the high priest and he is the greatest intercessor there is he will always step in the gap and reveal himself to 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 he will always reveal himself and who he truly is to a people and those people will always be radically changed and radically transformed and radically be put their hands to the plow and when they go marching in that's when something happens that's when things change i don't care what nobody tells you and for a moment i want to speak so black Christians um, who you may be a part of that remnant and you get ridiculed, you get told you're anti-black for serving Jesus Christ, the one true and living God. You get told that you are a disgrace to your ancestors. Baby, it was by the grace of God that our ancestors were able to live us to see another day and that we are here to begin to, to proclaim and hold up the bloodstained banner. Baby, don't you dare let nobody ever make you feel bad for serving Jesus Jesus Christ because when Jesus Christ shows up when the 13th came on to the scene with the 12 that's when miracles happened that's when deliverance broke out that's when policy and social change and revolution begin to come come forth from the north from the east to the south and the west don't you let nobody make you feel bad for serving Jesus Christ and don't you let nobody from inside the church who calls themselves a part of the church make you feel bad for standing up for justice the God we serve is sits on a throne that's foundation is made out of justice so when the saints go marching in that is when revolution happens that is when revival breaks out just like Paul stood in the face of people, Paul, Peter, all of them stood in the face of people who pummeled them with rocks and went marching in under persecution and still to this day converted thousands and thousands and thousands and saw the salvation of thousands and thousands and thousands. Baby, when the saints go marching in, That's when Baal, that's when Mammon, that's when Beelzebub, that's when Satan himself has to loose his grip off of the hands of the oppressed and liberty begins to be proclaimed to the captive and prison doors are rattled open when the saints go marching in when the saints pick up the bloodstained banner when the saints pick up their weapons when the saints begin to pray not only with their mouth but with their feet that's when things happen revolution will never be revolution if there's not a remnant leading it 
Revolution will never be revolution if there is not somebody, if there, if Jesus is not in the midst of it. He is the greatest revolutionary that ever lived. And so you are a fool to think that just because some random missionaries uh, uh, made an image of a white man and gave him the same name as the true and living God, you are a fool to think that Jesus Christ could ever be contained or be boxed in by white supremacy. Like I said before, he, he came before white supremacy. He lived during it and he will be here forever after that. Put some respect on his name. So in the coming days, we will see the remnant of God. We will see the saints go marching in and we will see revolution happen before our eyes. Um, so yeah, when the saints go marching in, um, there are a people, we are not dead. We are not dead. We are very much alive. We are very much alive and Satan should have killed us when he had the chance because we will strip the talons from mammon and we all, we, we, we will overturn every single one of his altars. So I love you all very much. Um, I was really trying to keep this episode not long. I really thought that this was going to be a short and cute one. Um, but I love you all so much. Please, please, please go to the rock that is higher to you. Look to the hills which cometh your help. Okay. Um, and I actually, before I leave, I forgot to say the scripture. Um, there are two scriptures I want to leave you with. Um, I know some of us are feeling hopeless and discouraged, but Micah chapter two, verse 12 says, I will surely assemble all of you. O Jacob, I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like a sheep in a fold, like a like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. So even though it may look like one way, know that God is still working, that there is still a remnant, that there is still a people who will not back down, who cannot be bought and who cannot be sold out. Um, and if you ever need to be reminded, even look to Romans chapter 11, verse one through five. I ask then, has God rejected his people by no means for I am, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. This is, um, Paul talking by the way, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people for who whom he foreknew do you not know that what the scripture says of elijah how he appeals to god against israel lord they have killed your prophets they have demolished your altars who does that sound like america um not just america some of these other nations too gonna have to answer that's another on to the rest of the verse and i am left alone and they seek my life he's quoting elijah but then what is god's reply to him I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to bow. Bow was um, the God they worship, who is what we know now in spiritual terms, a principality. Paul then goes on to say, so too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Be encouraged, saints. Be encouraged because there are a people rising up like Elijah, like in the days of Jacob. And they will not compromise. They will not compromise God's standards. They will not compromise the ways of heaven. They will not compromise on wickedness and morality and oppression. But they will stand firm and they will hold up the blood-stained banner and proclaim that God is the God of justice and he is Jehovah Nisi. So I love you all. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, please take care of yourselves. Please, 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 please. I pray that you are anchored in the upcoming days. Take time. Please get in your prayer place. Please prepare, child. This man, Donald Trump, is crazy. Um, everybody crazy. Just prepare yourselves. Keep your mind on the hills. Keep your eyes and mind on the hills, which come with your help. And truly just stay prayed up. Anchor yourselves fast. Do whatever you need to do. I want you all to be prepared for the upcoming days. Um, and I actually probably want to do one more episode, um, two more episodes maybe, um, praying and prophesying and just encouraging and exhorting us to really mobilize during these final days. Um, because we really have not seen the worst, y'all. 
Um, but for the kingdom, for the believers, we prosper in times of famine. So lay a hold of that promise and be encouraged. Keep your hands clean. Stay holy. Okay. Gird yourself with truth. Gird your loins, child. Guard your hearts, minds, ears, all that. I really do love y'all. Thank y'all so much for rocking with me. Um, I cannot wait to see you guys on the next episode of Proverbs and Politics. Proverb, I cannot talk today. But anyways, I cannot wait to see you guys on the next episode of Proverbs and Politics. Love you all.